Well, let me, let me invite you to open your Bible to the book of Romans today. We're going to take a three-week um, break from our series in Colossians uh, to use this moment in our life as a church with the send-off of Pat and Lynn as an opportunity for us to uh, think about and think deeply about God's plan for mission in this world. Uh, and I want to invite you to Romans chapter 9. I'm going to read the first three verses of chapter 9, and then we're going to skip over to uh, chapter 10 and verse 1. So we're in the book of Romans chapter 9, beginning in verse 1. This is the Apostle Paul writing, uh, and he writes, I am speaking the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Now chapter 10 in verse 1. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them, that is for the Israelites, his kinsmen, according to the flesh, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that, I have a, that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. For Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. But the righteousness based on faith says, Do not say in your heart, Who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down? Or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead? But what does it say? The Word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the Word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the Scripture says, everyone who believes in Him will not be put to shame, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. We might add between black and white and brown and blue, Jew or Gentile, there is no distinction. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing His riches. What a wonderful phrase. Bestowing His riches on all who call on Him. 
For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in Him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing. And hearing through the word of Christ. Amen. Lord, would you please speak to us in this moment for our transformation, for our inspiration that we might join the great cause of your kingdom here and around the world. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. A question that I imagine some of us are asking this morning is why in the world would Pat and Lynn do what they are doing at this stage of their lives. I am not implying that they are old, uh, for I am as old as they are, uh, and I am not old. Uh, uh, but why, why in the world are they doing this at a, at a time and an age, a stage of life where most people are thinking about how, how to dial it down and slow down and, and take it easy. Here are Pat and Lynn who are modeling for us a very different mindset, a very different perspective, a heart for Christ and for those who need Christ throughout this world seems to me like this is an, an opportunity for us to be reminded of the global nature of the Christian faith. That true Christianity is not just for me. It is not just for us. It is for the whole world. Not every Christian needs to go into every part of the world, but every Christian, if in fact he or she is going to be a faithful Christian, every Christian must care about every part of the world. Must care about those in particular who have never heard about Jesus Christ. And Pat and Lynn care. They care. I... I've been around long enough to know that that kind of care that they are manifesting in their life is not shared by as many Christians as it ought to be. Um, most of us tend to be turned in on ourselves, and so it is good for us, good for us to pause, good for us to reflect, good for us to think, what is it that God is after and God is doing in this present age and in this present world? This three-part message is going to be entitled, Global Missions, What's in Your Future? Global Missions, What's in Your Future? And to answer that question, 
we're going to think about three categories. We need to be informed, we need to be inspired, and we need to invest. And we're going to do this over two or three weeks, and I hope, I hope and pray that God uses it for His glory. Now, let me, let me give you a little bit of context here to Romans 9 and 10. In, verses, in Romans 1 through 8, Many of you will realize that Paul expounds the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. He, he calls it the power of God in chapter 1. And then in chapters uh, 2 and 3, he tells us how we as, sinful, as human beings are sinful and in need of the forgiving grace of God. And then in chapters 4 and 5, Paul tells us how to receive the forgiving grace of God by grace alone, through faith alone, because of Christ alone who poured out His blood to atone for our sin and whose righteousness is counted as ours when we come to faith in Christ. And then in chapters 6 and 7, Paul tells us about the transformed life. Once you have come to faith in Christ, here's what's going to happen to you. And here's how you're going to change. And then in chapter 8, Paul declares in one of the most wonderful chapters in the whole Bible how we, we cannot be separated from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. If you are in Christ, you will always be in Christ because He will lose none of those who are His. And we cannot be separated from His love. And that brings us to chapter 9, where Paul, in a, in a sense, pauses, having expounded this wonderful gospel and this wonderful love of God in Christ. He pauses in chapters 9 and 10 and expresses his deep, even astonishing concern for his kinsmen according to the flesh. That is, for his Jewish brothers and sisters, those of Hebrew descent, many of which, most of which, uh, had not received the Messiah, had not trusted in the Christ. And Paul says he felt great anguish over them. Tremendous anguish of soul because they were believing the wrong things and trying to get right with God in the wrong way, which left them without any real hope in this life or in the life to come. He wanted them to be saved. He, he wanted them to stop trying to save themselves through their own righteousness. He wanted them to stop trying to ascend up into heaven. Did you notice that phrase as I was reading? They were trying to ascend up into heaven, get to heaven through their own righteousness and through their own good works. And, and Paul's heart is breaking for them because when you try to get into heaven through your own works, you end up just going further down toward hell because you can't get there that way. And Paul's heart is breaking and he wants them to know as we read that their salvation was near. It was near. It wasn't far off. So near, in fact, that, that all they had to do in the ver words of verse 9 of chapter 10, all they had to do was confess 
with their mouth that Jesus is Lord. All they had to do was believe in their heart that God had raised Him from the dead and they would be saved. It was that close to them. It was that near for them. And yet, to that point, they would not and did not believe. And so, Paul was consumed by a desire for his people that they would be saved. When he thought about lost people, people dying outside of Christ, people dying without a Savior, his heart broke. When he thought about the future state of those who do not surrender to Christ in this life, a Christless, hopeless, endless eternity, He was filled with anguish of heart, and so he devoted his entire life to winning people to Christ. It's what he was all about. It is estimated that Paul walked at least 10,000 miles while doing missionary work. That's the equivalent of walking from New York to Los Angeles and then back and then back to Los Angeles, and then back to New York. Spending himself, and believe me, this was no stroll, this was no cakewalk. There was trouble everywhere he went. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, we read, Are they not servants of Christ? 2 Corinthians 11, verses 23 through 28. Are they not servants of Christ? I am a better one. I am talking like a madman, he says, with far greater labors, far more imprisonments, countless beatings, often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes, less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship through many a sleepless night in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. This was Paul's missionary life. Because his heart was consumed with anguish over those who did not know Jesus. We could pause right there, right? We could pause right there. If you want, one reason why Pat and Lynn are doing what they're doing is because their hearts are burdened and consumed for those that do not know Jesus. It's really that simple. Not easy, but it is that simple. Paul writes the book of Romans so that we would join this cause. This is, in a very real sense, I believe, a missionary letter where Paul is writing to inform them, uh, to inspire them, and to ask them to invest in his mission work. 
And there's much here to learn, but I'm going to try to keep it simple here today. In these next few minutes, I I just want us to see, I want us to be informed about what God's end is and then what His means to that end is. Okay, those are the two simple points. What is God's end? What is God aiming at? What is He he aiming for in this world? Follow with me. Have your Bible still open. Follow with me. Going back to Romans 1 and verse 1. Romans 1 and verse 1, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name, among all the nations. Notice that phrase. What is God's aim? The proclamation of the name of Christ among all the nations. Go to chapter 15. Chapter 15 and verse 8. For I tell you, chapter 15 and verse 8, for I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles, the nations, the ethnicities might glorify God for His mercy. As it is written, therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles, among the nations, and sing praise to your name. And again it is said, Rejoice, O nations, with His people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, all you nations, and let all the peoples extol Him. And again Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will come, even he who arises to rule the nations. In Him will the nations, will the Gentiles hope. We, we need to be informed of what God's goal is. What is God's aim? His aim is that His glory and His Son and His name are proclaimed in every nation to all the peoples. That means all the people groups, all the separate language groups and cultural groups that are on the planet. His name is going to be proclaimed to them all. That's what this is about. That's what this is about. It is about engaging in the great work of God which is to make Himself famous and His grace and glory famous over all the earth. That is His end. We like to think that the reason all of this is here is for us, right? You know, we come to church on Sunday, we get our Sunday fix, we, we kind of get a little boost, a little encouragement, we go on our way, we do another week, we come back, we do it again, and we forget the fact that it is not primarily about us. It is not about us. It is about the glory of God through the proclamation of His Son in this community and surrounding communities and all the communities that all of us represent and then beyond and beyond and beyond in this 
constant outworking and outflowing of the gospel. This is what God is up to, and it will continue, Jesus says, until the gospel has been preached in all the nations, and then the end will come. If you want a motivation for gospel and global mission, let that be the one. When the nations have been reached, the end will come. And eternal glory with all those nations will be experienced. But God is waiting. (laughs) He is long-suffering. And He is patient. He loves the nations. God so loves the world that He gave His only Son. That whoever believes, whoever, anywhere in the world, whoever believes will not perish but have eternal life. This is God's end. This is God's aim. This is what it's all about. And we are reminded of that. Thank you, Pat. And thank you, Lynn. You have reminded us of that today. And may it be that we will not just be reminded, but that we will be inspired. And we will be stirred. And we will begin to ask the question, what's in my future? What's in my future? Oh Lord, what will you have me to do? What will you have me to do? For you see, The end, the goal of God, is the reaching of the nations with His grace and His love. But what is the means to that end? How is God going to get that done? Look at chapter 10 and verse 13. For everyone, Romans 10 and verse 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in Him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Brothers and sisters, there's a series of questions here that help to create a kind of gospel link from heaven to earth. People, if their their salvation, people's salvation depends on what? Their calling upon the name of the Lord. But how will they call on whom they have not heard? So, their salvation depends on their calling upon the name of the Lord. Their calling depends upon, or their calling upon the name of the Lord depends on their believing in the name of the Lord. But their believing in the name of the Lord depends upon their hearing 
of the name of the Lord and their hearing of the name of the Lord depends upon someone's preaching of the name of the Lord. And that preaching of the name of the Lord depends on somebody sending them out to preach the name of the Lord. Put that all together and you have God's means to the end. There is a six-link gospel chain. Salvation depends upon calling on God's name. Calling depends on believing. Believing depends on hearing. Hearing depends on preaching. Preaching depends on going. And going depends on sending. And so the question is, where are you in that link? Or are you... I didn't mean this to... Are you the missing link? Are, are, you, are, you the one who, are you the one missing in that equation? You see, God has a plan. He has an end. He has an aim. He has a goal. And that is that all the nations of the earth will be saved. But they cannot be saved unless they call on Him. And they cannot call on Him They cannot call on Him unless they believe in Him. And they cannot believe in Him unless they've heard of Him. And they cannot hear of Him unless somebody proclaims Him. And they cannot proclaim Him unless others invest time and prayer and energy and money to send them. That's God's plan. And we're all a part of it. Or at least are called to be a part of it. God's plan is that God's church will proclaim God's gospel throughout God's world for God's glory. That's that's this message in a nutshell. God's plan is that God's church will proclaim God's gospel throughout God's world for God's glory. So then, let us all do our part. I was reminded this week, and with this I close, of a strange story and situation that emerged in ancient Israel way back in 2 Kings chapter 7, the people of Israel were in a a mess of trouble. They had enemies everywhere. And on top of all of those enemies, or in addition to all of those enemies, there was a great famine in the land so that they had no food. And and things were really beginning to get desperate and ugly uh, in Israel. But there were four lepers. You remember this story? There were four lepers. They're not even named. This is all we hear about them in the whole Bible. Just this little snippet in 2 Kings 7. Four lepers who were outcast in their own nation. But were so desperate for food that they decided that they were going to risk it. Instead of going to their own people in Israel, they said, well, let's go to the enemy's camp and and let's see if maybe, perhaps, they will give us some food. 
And, and hey, if they don't, then we're going to die anyway, so nothing lost. And so, so they went to the enemy camp, and when they got to the enemy camp, they, they found out that God had spooked the enemy by sending all kinds of noises of horses and chariots. And, and by the way, if you read the rest of the Second Kings, you realize those were real horses and chariots that normally were invisible and, and, and inaudible, but Spiritually speaking, these things are there and they're here and they're everywhere. Uh, and, but God made the enemy hear the sound of the horses and chariots. And the enemy was terrified and the enemy went running and they abandoned their camp and all their surplus of food and treasures and wealth. And, and these, these lepers, these four lepers stumbled in on this camp and they look around and wow, this is pretty good. All this... It says they, they ate to their full and then they took some of the treasures and they hid them away and they went back and they got more treasures and they hid those away and they were really, really, really enjoying themselves. Kind of like we Americans do with all of our treasures. When all of a sudden, they paused and they looked at each other and they said to each other, we are not doing right. This day is a day of good news. If we are silent, punishment will overtake us. Come, let us go and tell the king. God had provided salvation for Israel but it depended on those four lepers to declare it, to make it known, to realize this is a day of good news. We can't keep this to ourselves. What are we doing? God is ready to pour out His riches and His treasures upon us. And He has poured out His riches and His treasures upon us. What are we doing keeping this to ourselves? This is not right. Brothers and sisters, it is not right for us to keep the good news to ourselves. It is not right. I'm not trying to guilt you into evangelism. I'm just trying to help you to realize, wow, you've been given treasures and wealth and, and wellness and wholeness in Christ. How do we keep that to ourselves? Why are we keeping that to ourselves? The world needs to hear. The world needs to hear. Your neighbors need to hear. Your co-workers need to hear. Those people in your life that are giving you a hard time, they need to hear. Costa Ricans need to hear. Jamaicans need to hear. Philadelphians need to hear. Prospect Parkians need to hear. Drexelhillians, I could go on. They need to hear. They need to hear. They don't just need our niceness. They need the truth. They need the truth. They don't just need for us to be pleasant. They need for us to be bold. They need for us to realize that they cannot 
They cannot believe in someone of whom they have not heard. And they will not hear unless you and I speak. It starts at home. It starts in our communities. And then it expands. And brothers and sisters and all of you who are visiting with us or are new to us, please understand this. This is what this church needs to be about. We, we are not here for us. We are here for a lost and dying world, and we want to have a heart that anguishes for those who at this present time are headed toward a Christless and hopeless eternity. And there is salvation in no other name under heaven except the name of Christ. May God give us grace. Oh, may He give us grace to believe this and to live it. Let's pray. Oh, our Father, please, please, please speak this to our hearts. Lord, may we not be motivated by guilt. May we not be motivated by anything other than loving You with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength and loving our neighbor as ourself. Give us such a heart, I pray. And now, Lord, as we send off our brother and our sister, may Your blessing be on us as we pray together and mingle our joy with our tears. In Jesus' name, Amen.